0: Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. My name is Chuck Olmstead, and we have this special feature going on called Heart of the City. And with me today is Jay Smith, Pastor Jay Smith, the senior pastor at Cedar Park Church in Bothell. And uh, Jay, welcome today. Hey, thank you well i I like to do these interviews where uh people our listening audience gets an opportunity to get to know pastors in a personal way as opposed to just seeing pastors right. that are up there in front preaching on a sunday morning but but actually kind of get a background of, sure. of who people are so uh, I'd love to find out. Did you grow up in this area?
1: I did. I was I was born and raised here in the Seattle area. Born at uh, Group Health Hospital in uh-huh. uh, Seattle. Is, yeah, and grew up going to uh, going to Lake Washington School District schools and part of uh, the, the East Side community of yeah. Seattle for most of my life.
0: So you've always been in the Seattle area? Did you move away for a while, or always?
1: When I was a kid, uh, my family moved to Australia for about three years when I was eight years old. And so for 8, 9, and 10, uh, I think we moved back when I was 11, had the opportunity. My my dad uh, worked for the federal government, and so there were some contracts going back and forth between the Australians and the Americans. And so I had an opportunity for a few years to be overseas, which was a really great experience, and then moved back into the same home that we lived in before, same church, same school. Yeah. Uh, so it was almost like here I am.
0: <laughs> yeah, back at it. But I mean, yeah. an uh, a really interesting experience for, Absolutely. for a young child to, g- to go to a... Well, I mean, they spoke English, at least. <laughs> sort so, of. So <laughs> Although they wouldn't have said the same about me at the time I arrived. <laughs> I understand. So you mentioned church. So then your family, did you grow up in a Christian family?
1: I did. I grew up a uh, Christian family. My mother is the, the child of a, an, of a minister, Assembly of God minister, which I am as well. And so... Uh, My mom grew up in a Christian home. My dad grew up uh, in a Christian home, and they both raised my sister and I to to know and love the Lord. And uh, both both my sister and I are walking with the Lord and engaged in the work of ministry in various ways. And uh, so I I grew up. Actually, I grew up interestingly enough at the very church that I pastor today. Uh, I've been a I was dedicated to the Lord at Cedar Park, Uh and uh, it was a lot smaller and a different environment back then. But have grown up as a, a product of that environment and. Uh, you know, raising my kids now in the same church that I was raised in. So it's unique in that way.
0: Well, each each one of us has a different story. Those of us that have grown up in the church, and that's my similar story, but was there... Was it uh, an experience for you to come to know the Lord? Was there a was there a definite moment for you, or was it yeah. just a natural progression as you you were growing up? In, in well, a- you've heard
1: the analogy about just because it's just because you can fit in the garage doesn't make you a car. Right. Just because you grow up in church certainly doesn't make you a Christian. And that would have been my story. You know, I grew up, and I can recall as a young kid. You know, loving church, loving to hang around, and. You know, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night. We were the type of family that if the doors were open, we were there. And I loved it. I really did. Um, I wasn't necessarily the most well-behaved kid. And this is true. I'm not making this up for any storytelling purposes. But my parents would tell me every Sunday as a small child before we would uh, get to Sunday school, they would say, now, Jay do you want us to spank you now or later? (laughs) And, uh, you know, I I didn't know what to answer at the moment. I think if I would have been thinking, I would have said, how about now? Because you're not mad now. You know, uh, I I had a little bit of energy growing up, and I think today I probably would have been diagnosed ADHD or something, but I was certainly a challenge, uh, you know, the Sunday school teachers and nursery uh, workers as as a kid growing up. And, you know, I I can recall sitting – just in those middle school years, in services, hearing Pastor Joe Featon, who was my pastor growing up, at the end of every service, as he often concluded, he would give an altar call, give a chance for people to respond, and and I could tell my little adolescent heart beating in those moments where he would say something like this: "If if you're here today and you know in your heart that you're not right with God, but you want to be, you know, you would make an invitation to respond and." And I just thought to myself, I know that's me. I know he's talking to me, but I was embarrassed because mm-hmm. I'd grown up in the church there and I didn't want to, I didn't want to embarrass myself or my parents, or I didn't want to have everybody look at me. And so I re- I can recall week after week for the season of my life resisting and, you know, right around those, those years of middle school, you're really making decisions about who you want to be, the type of friends you want to have. And and my parents, uh, God bless them. They had probably more patience than than I could ever imagine having you know, I would make choices and and hang out with friends or get in trouble in a certain way, and my parents would kind of guide me away from specific relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, Later come to find out that my mom had been praying, you know, on her knees, fervently praying uh, specific people out of my life. It's been a great tool for me as a parent realizing, hey, yeah, I have some authority and some responsibility over who my kids hang out with. But uh, just seeing that my parents guided me into different relationships. Well, as I was going into seventh grade, that summer, my parents sent me up to Alaska to live with my grandparents for the summer. My cousin uh, came as well, and so the two of us uh, were sent up there. My grandfather was an Assembly of God minister and had responsibility over a number of churches in the Alaskan area. And so we thought we were headed up there, just, you know, two 12-year-olds to just go fishing and, and hiking and playing around in the Alaskan wilderness for the whole summer. And we did a great deal of that. But uh, we loaded up in my grandparents' motorhome, and we drove from Anchorage. We drove out to a Bible camp. And my grandparents said, hey, we forgot to tell you this, but we're dropping you off at this youth camp for the week. (laughs) We thought, (laughs) talk about bait and switch. We thought we were going fishing, and they dropped us off at this Bible camp. You know, at first, the only soul I knew at the camp was my cousin. And I looked around, and there were some cute girls there, and I thought, I could get used to this it's for the right. week. And, yeah. you know, and it was a friendly place, and there's rope swings and swimming and canoes and all kinds of stuff. Well, I can recall the first night of that Bible camp. It was at Little Beaver Bible Camp. And uh, the, the speaker gave a similar invitation that I had heard time and time again during that season. Uh, you, know, you, you know in your heart you're not right with God, and tonight is the night. And I just remember thinking, I don't know anybody here. I couldn't be embarrassed. I, there's nobody here who... And I just remember saying to Jesus that night, yes, hmm. yes. And it was it was an amazing experience. I mean, I, I don't know as if I uh, could comprehend in that moment the choices that that would open up for me walking through life. But I remember in that moment, I came back from that summer, caught a lot of fish, had hmm. a lot of fun. Uh, but I remember coming back as a new person. I remember making the decision that the people that were going to influence me were going to be people that were going to draw me close to Christ. I was a part of a great youth ministry at Cedar Park Church, had wonderful youth pastors and, and leaders. My parents, obviously, are very supportive and loving. And I just made different choices. Uh, it wasn't just a yes at a camp in Alaska. It literally was a pivot point in my life. Although I grew up in church, it really helped me to make a personal decision uh, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. Now, of course, you make mistakes from there on out, and sure. probably most of my uh, junior high teachers and high school teachers would have uh, you know, probably liked to see a little more change in my life at that time, but uh, I just decided that I was going to be somebody who was going to live for Jesus.
0: Yeah. I'm going to interject a question here that I maybe would have asked later on because we want to hear more of your story. But sure. But talk to me about the value of having a pastor— uh, when At the end of a service, making that invitation, there are so many churches mm-hmm. that I go to uh, as I visit around that never have an invitation for Christ, Sure. And, and have you made that an ongoing practice now that you're the senior pastor, or how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I know there are a number of churches with different strategies and, and aims and how they want to help people cross that line of faith, and sometimes that takes place in a small group, sometimes that takes place over a cup of coffee. Uh, Sometimes that takes place at a specific uh, service designated for that. But I've just grown up with a firm conviction that every time I preach, every time I have an opportunity to bring the Word of God, whether I'm in a room full of people that I believe are followers of Christ or not, I want to give an opportunity for somebody to say yes to Jesus. Because that experience for me, knowing what it was like to, to feel my heart beat, knowing what it was like to feel God calling me, and those, all those times saying no mm-hmm. and then finally saying yes, I've just grown up with a firm conviction that uh, the gospel proclaimed should always give people an opportunity to, to make a decision. And so we end every service at Cedar Park the, almost the same way it has for 35 years, you know, giving people a chance to respond. If you know in your heart, you, nobody else has to tell you you're right or wrong with God. You know in your heart if the Holy Spirit's working in your life and you, you want to make that different today. Uh, You know, we give an opportunity for people to respond, and and obviously there are some mechanisms to follow up, but primarily it's a decision to say yes to Jesus. We end every service that way. Do you
0: see a value in actually taking a physical step towards the front of the building? I mean, are there times where you have people come forward?
1: Absolutely. On a routine basis. In fact, one of the things you'll see at Cedar Park Church is... uh, you know, it's, it's a wonderful church, like many churches in the area, and we have, you know, all the sound and lights and stage and all that kind of thing. But very prominent at the front of our church, stretched all the way across from wall to wall, is an altar, a, a literal altar. And it's not just a decoration. Uh, they're used. I mean, you get down to those things, Chuck, if you were to go down there, you'd see, you know, scratches and dents, and you'd see, you know, stuff spilled on there and tear marks. We, we clean them. Don't worry. They're yeah. disinfected. Right. But, but uh, we, uh, we, we're we a church that firmly believes in prayer. Uh, we want to create spaces, places, and times for prayer. But indeed, when it comes to making decisions, uh, there's something powerful about making a decision in your heart. But when you put actual steps to it, you know, and you say, hey, you may have just responded in your heart to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I'm going to ask you to join dozens of others to come. just Just step from where you're at. Make it a step of faith and say, God, literally, what I'm doing in a literal sense, stepping from one place to another, would you do in my heart? Would you do in my life? And, uh, you know, we see uh, on a routine basis, you know, we'll make an invitation, not just to those who said yes to Jesus, but to those who have, you know, prayers that they want to bring to the Lord or or times they just want to press in. We, we believe in the altar. We pray at the altar, you know, Sunday nights, our service on Sunday nights. The entire service is just focused around getting people to a time and a place of prayer around the altars. And it's wonderful. I mean, you just see every spare spare nook and cranny at the altar, people are are pressed in. And it's not always a big emotional, you know, exciting, exuberant time. Sometimes it's just faithful diligence, people saying yes, people bringing their needs, their families uh, together in a time of prayer.
0: Well, I grew up in that type of an environment. So I really do appreciate seeing, you know, that call to action, if you will, of, of asking people to come forward And I do know there are multiple strategies, but I really like seeing that happen because, you know, I remember as a kid myself Mm -hmm. feeling that heartbeat, feeling feeling your heart beating, wondering, you know, will people – what will people think? And (laughs) all of those same things.
1: Assuming foolishly that everyone in the room is focused solely on you. (laughs)
0: Exactly, exactly. But yet taking that physical step Mm -hmm. was also an indication of taking a spiritual step. Yeah, you're right. And, uh, and so I appreciate the fact that uh, that's, that's, a, that's something prominent at Cedar Park. Well, so you grew up in a, in a great youth group, but, but uh, you have how many kids now?
1: My wife and I have four daughters, okay. four beautiful daughters. So
0: obviously you met, you uh, noticed the girls <laughs> at the camp in Alaska, but there must have been a girl somewhere around at Cedar Park.
1: Well, to tell you the truth, my wife and I met in the nursery. <laughs> and I tell people that story, and they kind of look at me funny, like, "What are you, what are you looking for, girls in the nursery?" Or something? No, yeah. no, literally, we were three years old when we met in the nursery. So I've known my wife and her family uh, since I was a three-year-old. Uh, so, in fact, you heard me mention Pastor Joe Featon, right. uh, who is my father-in-law. So Sandy, my wife, is their second daughter, and uh, we're about about the same age. And so we've known each other. We grew up together, and you know, through middle school, you know, we knew each other. And you know, she's always. She, She's cute. I, I find her, I find her attractive. Yeah, so, that's good. And so she caught my eye, but you know the thing is, I was a late grower. I was always shorter than everybody else in my grade. What I what I lacked in height, I always made made up for in volume, and so my mouth had got me in a little bit of trouble from time to time. But my wife. She tells the story. She said that, I thought I always thought Jay was cute, but I never wanted to to date him or go out with him until he had been taller than me. And so finally, <laughs> praise God, it my growth girl's <laughs> <laughs> So we, we actually started dating in high school, uh, both a part of the same youth group, same church, and got married right out of high school at age 18. And I, I look at it now, my oldest daughter's 19 years old. That's scary. Uh, and I think, there is no way on God's green earth that that little girl's going to get married. But... Uh of course she will get married but yeah. when i tell her she can i'm <laughs> kidding but yeah uh, so we have four beautiful daughters our oldest uh will be a, a sophomore in college next year uh, another will is just finishing her junior year of high school uh, another daughter who is going to be a freshman next year in high school and our youngest will be in 6th grade yeah so
0: so had grandfather that was a pastor uh had, had that influence but there must have been a call then on your life. How did you get that call to, to become a pastor?
1: Yeah, I wished I could tell a story that there was, uh, you know, writing on the wall somewhere or a voice came down from heaven. Here, here's the way that I have come to grips with what I would call my calling into ministry. Um, you know, as a young child, I always looked up to the pastors and spiritual leaders in my life. My own grandfather uh, was a wonderful man of God and pastor, uh, and had had great success in ministry. In fact, I was able a few years ago to preach his funeral, and that was a, a pretty challenging thing, because he had been one of my heroes in life. Mm-hmm. Certainly, a pioneer for my own steps of faith growing up. But really, after I made that decision going into those middle school years, some of the most influential people in my life were youth pastors, youth leaders, those who. Uh, would serve, and, and their aim and their ambition was to disciple myself and, and those among my peer group. You know, and I said, I just remember saying it in a time of prayer, again, at the altar, I can recall on a Sunday evening praying, saying, God, I think what these guys are doing is, is really cool. And if someday you'd let me do that, I would follow you. I would say yes to it. And, and what began just as a, a desire to, I don't know if it's pay it forward or to, to follow in the footsteps of, of godly people around me started to develop as a desire in my heart and uh, early on you know early on early high school i had I had known that I wanted to navigate my life in a a professional sense if you will uh, towards ministry and serving the church and um, God let that desire grow and and really it, it was just a matter of of saying yes to specific opportunities you know obviously different bumps in the road and different seasons and times where you know you're more or less involved in ministry but Uh, Upon graduating from Northwest University in Kirkland with a degree in biblical literature and interning in ministry, an opportunity at my own church at Cedar Park opened up, and I was the youth administrative assistant. Wow. Uh, That was an opportunity. And I said, God, I could serve you there. And so I started serving as a youth administrative assistant, and obviously with a bent towards ministry and helping and discipling uh, junior hires and middle schoolers in that time, and you know, through varying doors that open. I never saw myself as being ambitious or trying to climb any kind of a ladder. It's not like I started out as a youth administrative assistant at Cedar Park and said someday I'm gunning for the big gun. You yeah, know, yeah. I just I just looked at different doors and opportunities that opened. Pray, my wife and I would pray about them. We'd say, "Well, God, if you want us to do that, uh, we'll say yes." And it's a lot easier to walk through open doors <laughs> <laughs> than it is to walk through closed doors. Yeah. And so. Uh, kind of just following the progression of opportunity and saying yes to different different aspects. There have been different times where we maybe felt uh, an opportunity that was away from this region calling to us. And as we investigated, just didn't really feel a peace in our hearts and, you know, moved from uh, youth administrative assistant to junior high pastor to leading the youth young adults ministries at Cedar Park. And then uh, for the last six and a half years, pastoring one of the Cedar Park campuses in Kenmore. And then most recently, uh, just this last September, as Pastor Joe shifted his role from full-time senior pastor to a part-time pastor emeritus role, uh, we were called upon by the board and uh, voted in by the congregation in September as senior pastors at Cedar Park. And sometimes I just look at myself and I go, how in the world did that happen? Yeah, yeah. And uh, especially looking out uh, in the congregation and some of those Sunday school teachers and nursery workers that I just frustrated to no end as a kid are sitting out there today (laughs) saying amen to the sermons, you know, just passing along encouragement. So it's really been an interesting and I would say very unique journey uh, of saying yes and following God's call of ministry in our lives.
0: You know, uh, in... Talk to me for a couple of minutes about a transitioning. I've seen, I've seen many, many times of a senior pastor. And Pastor Joe's been there for what, mm-hmm. thirty-five, thirty, thirty-six years. Thirty-six. Just years, Just this last month. And so, when you've got someone who's been in the in the saddle for that long, and and then they bring in the new guy, mm-hmm. that transition can be in some congregations so difficult. But but yet it seems like, as I've spoken to you and seen what's going on at Cedar Park, that that, uh, that was a much easier transition. Uh, or <laughs> was it? It may be it? easy from the chair you're sitting in yeah. now. No, I, I,
1: you know, honestly, I think the people at Cedar Park reflect the leadership that's been there for so many years. And Pastor Joe is such a gracious leader. And, and obviously many in the listening audience have heard him preach for years, have have followed him. Closely, as he's been very influential, not just in uh, Cedar Park but in the greater Seattle area and beyond. As a man of God, as a leader in the Christian community, but I mean, he's the real deal. Yeah, and he is a gracious man who has really fostered an atmosphere of trust and grace, and that's really reflected in the congregation and the people at Cedar Park. And and um, you know, I mean, when we were voted in, for instance, this past summer. Ninety-five percent or ninety-four percent of the congregation uh, affirmed that, and, and I don't know who the six percent were. But uh, <laughs> and I'm you know. Yeah. I think I don't even agree with myself one hundred percent of the time. Right. And so obviously there's there's just a lot of grace and trust. And uh, I think it, people have responded with the same grace and trust that they've been led with for so yeah. many years. Yeah. And of course, and it I'm really not... does
0: help to have the mindset of the leader that's being, if you will, replaced. You're never going to replace Pastor Joe, <laughs> but. But who's taking that now senior position, it really does help the mindset that they have about the transition, doesn't it? Sure.
1: Absolutely. And and one of the things that really aids and helps that is uh, Pastor Joe's continual involvement at Cedar Park. Uh He's on a a regular basis, a part of our teaching team, on about a monthly basis, preaching and teaching in our services. And those who are part of the radio audience who listen to Cedar Park's broadcasts on your station, uh, you'll hear his voice from time to time. Yeah. Uh, he's very involved in, in leadership. You know, here's the thing that's unique to our circumstance that may differentiate it from other transitions is that for my entire life, uh, Pastor Joe's been my pastor. For 20 years now, he's been my father-in-law. For 15 years, uh, he's been my boss in a, in a professional sense. And so I just have a tremendous amount of respect, not just for the man. I mean, I love him as family. I respect him as my leader. But also for what God has accomplished through Him, and I almost feel like a an, an Elisha saying, "Lord, could I have a double portion of that Elijah spirit?" Uh, but the difference is, uh, Pastor Joe wasn't taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. Uh, he's right there uh, as uh, coaching along and and as a voice of of stability and of, of reason. Uh, still a great voice of leadership around Cedar Park. Uh, it's a it's a great healthy environment. Surely we have. You know differences of opinion in, among the congregation and among people, but uh, you know at the end of the day, it's a church where people love each other, mm-hmm. and that's really what we're aiming at.
0: We have two minutes left uh, for this, and I, I I would love for you to uh, just uh, give a a
1: word of encouragement
0: to the listeners yeah. uh, today. What's the Lord been working on in your heart, and what can you encourage our listeners with today?
1: I'll tell you what. One of the things that God has just been firing me up as a believer, as a pastor, as a leader, is to call God's people to pray, to call God's people. A friend of mine, Ben Sturchuk, who pastors another church in our community, Elevation Church in Kirkland, uh, felt called a couple of weeks ago to gather pastors and churches together, and his ambition was to see if there would be 100 churches in the Seattle area who would commit along with their congregations, over the next 100 days to pray uh, distinctly that God would move. And uh, we said, absolutely. At Cedar Park, yes. And, and I think as we're sitting here in the studio, there, we're nearing 100 churches that have said yes. And if you're here listening today and you say, man, I would love to be a part of that, you can go on Facebook and search for Awaken Seattle uh, and, and follow along there. There are seven distinct things that we're calling the church to pray for, and I find it interesting, kind of one of the verses that's really been resonating in my heart is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It says this, this is the, the word of God. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and pray and turn from their wicked ways, God promises to hear us from heaven, to heal our land and forgive our sins. I think that's what we need today. And I've been so excited to call people to pray. It's God's people that need to be uh, stirred up to lean in. It's not exclusively uh, the world that needs to change. It's God's people that need. And I just want to encourage the believers who are out there today. uh, Let's lean into God. Let's respond to him today. And let's be the people that he's calling.
0: Pastor Jay, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you, Chuck. God bless. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmsted at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com.